0: business matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a graduate of a non-business discipline and would like to pursue a level nine in business? ATU Donegal are currently offering their Master's in Business Management Conversion Programme. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today.
1: I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is Oliver McBride, editor of the Fishing Daily and director at Saltwater Media. After working in a number of jobs while completing his third-level studies, Oliver set up the Fishing Daily in September 2019 and in January 2020, the news platform went live. In 2021, he established Saltwater Media with Michael McGinty, owner of the Minute Web Design Company. A native of Downing's, Oliver hopes Saltwater Media will expand and create up to four jobs and also has plans to increase the growth of the Fishing Daily. Oliver, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Oh, thank you for having me, Ciarán. Oliver, you set up the Fishing Daily in September 2019. In January 2020, the news platform went live and a year later, you set up what is now your parent company. Before we discuss your business operations, Oliver, can you talk to me a wee bit about your working life up until the point that you decided to become self-employed?
2: Well, Ciarán, it's sort of been a a long journey and various sort of different jobs over over the time. Like, you know, um, I suppose initially my first proper job was working with Primerica when I came here in 2001. So I was with them from 2001 until 2007. And I started off in insurance, uh, part of the business, and then I gradually moved over to uh, corporate technology management, and I was there until uh, 2007. Uh, during that time, I had the opportunity to go back to college and finish my degree, and I took that opportunity, so I was working in Pramerica three days a week, and I was at college four days a week. How the combination of those two worked. Um, it was it was two very different places to be. Working was um, working in technology management is quite monotonous, whereas when you're back at college, it's a lot more invigorating and in you're learning, and you know you, you sort of you're feeling in a different sort of world. And then going back to work for the three and a half days sort of brings you back into reality and it makes you realize why you're back at college because you you know you really want to do something different with your life so for me that that was always there to go back to and always kept pushing me on like you know so anyway yeah i did work briefly uh for a while in two solicitors offices um but i found i I wasn't really the the law office sort of person like you know um i felt that i like Working along with people and you know and and having this sort of relationship and social relationship with people. So um, after that, I went to the Donegal Youth Service. I was with them for a year. Uh, I really enjoyed that, um, but unfortunately, that's around like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, and everything in the country was sort of like crashing, and services like the Donegal Youth Service was affected by just as much as as anybody else so they weren't able to extend contracts or anything they got there afterwards so um, for a while then I wasn't doing anything and then in 2011 I got the opportunity to become uh, an intern at River Media, that's Letterkenny Post uh, for everybody else (laughs) and I did an internship there as a journalist and during that time I worked setting up Donegal Now and that was uh, was, that's my first experience with breaking news you know and and how did you find the experience initially
1: was it what you expected it to be or was it something completely different
2: it was it was what I I expected it to be like you know um, Chris Ashmore Mm. we all know Chris was the editor there and it was great because he was he's a great guy to work with you know um, he he loves explaining stuff. If you have a problem, there's, n- there's no problem to Chris. Chris will just come to you and uh, say, like, here, this is how it works. This, uh, you know. So for me, it was, it's such a, uh, probably, if I had a sort of different sort of editor, I might have had a different approach to, or a different view of it. Do you know what I mean like, you know, but, Sorry, Oliver, what was the attraction at the journalism? Um, well, I always liked photography. You know, um, I was very, very big into photography and I remember one day we were, my father and myself were traveling to Kelly Beggs and there was an overturned lorry on the road. Uh, I think it was outside Dunkin' or something. And I got out of the car and had my camera with me and I took a photograph of it. And I was chased down the road by people going, oh, don't be taking photographs. And I sort of jumped into the car and I had that buzz, you know, and, and the following Friday, I got the papers, and was looking at the papers, and it wasn't mentioned. And I was going like, "How can this not be mentioned?" Like you know, so that sort of gives you the buzz. And you're going like, "I have that story. I seen. I had that photograph." Like you know, and you sort of go like, "Yeah, you know, that's that's the buzz that being a journalist gets gives you." Like you know, sometimes uh, you find yourself sort of going like, "It's it's boring. It's monotonous." Yeah. But now and again, something comes along and really just gets you excited, and you, you just want to find out more and dig into it. And you know that's what so that's what keeps you going. Like you know, when you were going to school and Downing's the
1: and then went to secondary school uh, at Mufford, was the curiosity factor part of your
2: being at that stage? I think I've always sort of been curious. I, I was more of a, a daydreamer people would say like, you know, but uh, I, I sort of liked the more uh, mechanical side of things to some points, but then I also liked the more sort of like arty sort of things to to another side. Um, but I was sort of more a person drawn to being free, <laughs> you know, being st- stuck in the classroom wasn't kind of my, and the, the, my big thing. did the world of journalism give you that sense of freedom? I think so. I think, I suppose, when we get to this, until later point why I went to uh, set up uh, the Fishing Daily, it was the fact that we called that, you know, journalists should be free. You know, they should be free to investigate what they want to investigate. You know, there should be no restrictions put on what you're able to uh, cover. And I sort of feel that in the world that we're living in now, there's becoming more and more Sort of like, we can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you do cover a story, sometimes you do get like a backlash from people. But, you know, generally you have to expect that. But I feel that so many um, outlets now are sort of like afraid of of having that controversy. And I'm not a controversial figure in any way. Like I don't I don't seek controversy in that. But if a story is there to be told, a story has to be told. And we can see in this country for so many years where... Um, sto- there were stories there from and, and, and people and there was nobody willing to listen to them, you know. And that's like the mother and baby homes and, and, and the clerical abuse and stuff like that there and nobody's willing to listen because it was too controversial. And I think we shouldn't be, as journalists, we shouldn't be afraid to go and listen to these people and get their story and get it out there for them because it's, it's 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 like you know that's what we're there for. Would you agree
1: that the reason that there maybe isn't the same level of investigative journalism happening today
2: as a resource issue? Yeah, I do. Um, for myself, you work on a very tight budget. You can't you can't cover everything. Um, the great thing, suppose, about newspapers and that was the fact that you had a lot of revenue coming in from like advertising uh and it's heyday not so much towards um, i don't like saying it's towards its end because it's not finished yet but for me it's that that kind of part of my life's over but you could see it's sort of it's dwindling and those resources aren't there and yeah it has it has more difficult to employ um journalists that Higher caliber journalists, like you know, and that they'll be willing to take the risks. So, 12 years on
1: from your first experience of of a newsroom, do you detect uh, much of a change in that
2: 10 or 12 year period? Well, we have moved more and more and more to instant news. Um, Back at the time, 2011, 2012, people was calling it breaking news, and I mind being and uh, we're working in Donegal now at the time. And there was one person who kept putting up breaking, 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 breaking. And so eventually come to the point where uh, somebody turned around, another one of the uh, journalists turned around and turned, turned around and said, It can't all be breaking news. We are a breaking news uh, website, you know, so you can't be constantly having breaking news like you know. So it's changed from that. So now it's the norm. You, you see, very you very rarely see anything now as breaking news. You know, it's it's instant news now. So it's it, it, that's that's gone. I think that feel has gone anyway. So, what was your next step after River Media? Well, Kenneth kind of was around River Media for a few years. I worked in the Congress Resource Center in Letterkenny. Uh, I was the website editor and newsletter editor there for. I think it was a period of maybe about fourteen, fifteen months. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I, w- I also had that, and I was also doing a little bit of work for uh, Donegal. Now I was doing the sports at the weekend and stuff to get there. So that wasn't that was good. You know, uh, that, that, for me, that's sort of an enjoyable period of life. You know, where you had best of both worlds, if you know what I mean. Like you know, um, and yeah, I, I liked I liked that that but like everything you know when you when you do this job you want to get back into the game you know and you really want to sort of uh, sometimes get your teeth into meaty stories <laughs> you know and uh, covering covering GAA games covering St. Michael's versus St. Yunnan's from a desk and out in Bonagie is not that exciting you want to be at the game covering it or do you know I mean so I think it's well, I suppose our, our technology has, has moved along a lot as well now. We've got better phones and everything else to get there. But at the time, to me, it wasn't, you know, it gets quite boring if you're not. And at the event, you can't get the excitement of and it.
1: Would I be correct in saying that in your own mind, that perhaps you're very keen to maybe set up your own uh, operation,
2: which will give you the freedom that you, you do enjoy? Well, suppose, yeah, it, it, it was something that grew over time. Like, you know, um, I worked for a year as a marketing manager for Dunfany Golf Club, 2016, 2017. And then... How was um, that experience? I learned about golf. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I really got into it. Uh, Dunfany Golf Club's a very interesting history. You know, people talk about... Uh, the big brother, which is Rossi Pena. But like, you know, once you start getting it, you go like, oh, Harry Varden, you know, and people go, who's Harry Varden? Well, as a golfer, you know, you've got Harry Varden grip and then you've got the Harry Varden Varden trophy and stuff like that there, like, you know, uh, that's the big one that the golfers get at the end of the the season, like, you know, uh, what's it called, Road to Dubai or something out there, like, and um, you go, this guy was here, you know, and and this golf course, did he stand here, did he stand there? Like you know, So you know, I was more interested in the history of it and then you learned that Harry Varden also had a, uh, did a little bit of designing and Rosser Penn and stuff to get there. And then you start looking around, where's Harry Varden? You know, And yeah, I found that what you called that I learned a lot about the history of, of Dunfanahy as well as, as as you know, as as of the golf course, because these things all tie into each other. And you moved then to Mara Media in Anagre, is that right? Yeah, I moved to Mara Media. Um, for some people, suppose, there was a say that it was the dream job, having come from a fishing background and um, combining both the fishing and and the um, and journalism. And Oliver, fishing was a big part of your life growing up? Yeah, it was. Um, there was very rarely, uh, I'd say, even a day that I wasn't in the night of a boat, you know. Uh, I grew up 300 yards from the pier and 300 yards from the beach, and you know, and it was ideal for for uh, a young youngster growing up, like you know, because there was always people around the pier, like you know, fishermen, older fishermen, new fishermen coming along. So you always had that sort of like a buzzing and energy, sort of like, and that's for for a young person. That's that's quite attractive to be involved you know and plus my father was a boat builder and my uncle was a boat designer and boat builder did you think at any stage that you would follow their footsteps steps and maybe
1: go into the same industry
2: yeah i did I suppose maybe it was up until i was about maybe 14 15 and i really did think as we called it, that um i would sort of go down that route uh, i was very interested in design uh, boat design but I think, you know, one of the big problems of, with um, being from a rural area is that when you go to secondary school or, or whatever it is, your options are quite limited in what you can do in order to progress very uh, distinct sort of career paths, like, you know. So um, draftsmanship, boat design is a very sort of like specialised sort of area, like, you know and you know i when i went to the tech in Mulford, we did have construction studies we did have technical drawing we did that but then the other aspect that you probably would need would be art and art wasn't an avenue that was open to the boys the the girls did art boys so you know the the little elements about you that that you could have brought in that could have helped you with the idea of design and stuff like that there wasn't really really there but I'd say maybe by the time we got to fourteen, fifteen, anyway I was getting more interest in music than and, and fishing and really and truly around that time around 1990 you know um, the fishing industry really changed especially around downings a lot of the boats were sold up and people uh, stopped fishing um, so you know that that life was sort of going, and for a young person you're looking at, it and you're thinking to yourself, where's the future in it? I was just going to ask you how aware were you of how things were around you? I um, suppose yeah, you, I was. I knew what was happening, you know, um, and it was at a time that the the European Community European, well, at that time, that's pre-EU European Union times, like, you know, the the common fishery policy was, was coming in and getting stronger and it's having more impact on, on, on industry because they're setting fishing quotas and all the stuff here. So, you know, there wasn't gonna be room for everyone. And I don't know, suppose at that stage, I was feeling that there wasn't going to be a big future in and in the industry um but you know i suppose to my own fault i underestimated the resilience of 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 fishermen like you know because there's still people out there that's going today like you know those those going back out time and they're very determined to keep the industry going against very very big odds at the moment because of brexit and you know um uh, offshore wind farms and everything that marine protected areas that's all coming in that that's that's placing a a great squeeze on them
1: and how is business and how is business life in downings these days
2: well downings has downings has changed like you know uh we are looking out at a tourism based um and it does have a big future there doesn't it well, yes and no, you know um, I think the lessons are not being learned from places in England that have become very touristy, like you know um, if you look along the south coast of England you can you can see places that were great tourist destinations, but then tourism becomes an overkill. Do you know what I mean um, another big problem is. If you have a lot of tourists coming into an area, a lot of people buying houses, um, people who has got money buying houses, drive young people out of the area. And once you start driving young people out of the area, then you're destroying the future core of what you need in order to keep the, the tourism business going. So what is the best recipe for success in Dairians for the future? I don't know. Um, tourism is... For me, I would like to think that some more business that come, that provides full-time jobs comes around. Uh, it's my aim personally to try and have three or four people working uh, for us and, and, and within the next few years. And I'd really like to see other businesses coming along and, and doing the same because we're suffering a huge amount of a huge number of young people leaving the area and going way to Australia and these other places, and you know in your heart and soul that a lot of these young people aren't coming back because once you get there and once you get a job and once you get settled down, you're going to come home for a visit and you're going to look around you like you know and you're going to think to yourself there's nothing happening here. Like where is this guy? Where is it? you know everybody? You know, so eventually, I think even if somebody would come home for a year or two, whatever it is, I think eventually they'd be drawn back to Australia or Canada or wherever they were. They have been for the past couple of years. And we've seen that before, you know, with the migration to Scotland and to England and places like got there. Like, there's people who you'll meet them at every Christmas or you'd meet them, you know, and at, on their summer holidays and they'll go, oh, I'd love to come home, I'd love to come home, you know, great, everything's fine. And then they get home for a while and then they realize, you know, it's their life's over there, not not so much here. Because, you know, unless you sort of build your roots in a place in your 20s and your 30s, it's very hard to come back to it in your 50s and, and, and your 60s. Like, you know, and I think we've, we've, we've sort of experienced that. So it's coming four years,
1: Oliver, since you decided to set up a Fishing Daily. Did it take you long to get to that point where you decided to, I'm going to set up on my own and I'm going to
2: go solo here? Um, well, I finished up with Mara Media uh April, 20, or April 2018. And I sort of thought to myself, after I left, i just give myself a little bit of time to see what's in my head, <laughs> you know. Um, what
1: Was that something that you hadn't done up until that point because uh, we, we talked off here as well and, and our listeners would have heard you had a very busy life and a very, uh, your skill set would have developed over different sectors over the
2: years. Mm. So you were never idle? No. Um, well, I mean, when I was, the summer when I was 15, I was looking for work and I kind of left it a little bit too late going looking for work in the hotels and that. And I couldn't get, it was, basically there was no work going, like, you know. So I had um, this neighbor, she was from Belfast, and uh, she had a holiday home. And she says to me, she says, well, she says, would you cut the lawn for me? I says, fine, so I cut the lawn for her. And uh, the following week I went back and she said, she says, uh, Mr. Glass next door wants uh, the lawn cutting, whoever, Mr. McMullen, something like that there. So eventually then, over a period of maybe, say, about two, three weeks, I uh, had these customers looking for lawns to be cut. And, you know, if, when you're sort of 15, stuff like that there, you probably think to yourself, oh, well, I shouldn't take things too seriously. But I, I did take it seriously, and I kept those customers for from that time until maybe I was about 20. Uh, they were regular customers. And people would say to you, why did you not expand? And I would say, well, it's better to be do, doing your job properly and doing a quality job rather than having a lot of clients and half doing the job. What sort of money would you have been talking about back then, Oliver,
1: on an average week or an average fortnight for your, your cutting services? Uh,
2: Gee, what would be back that time? Um, I would say maybe it was probably about eighteen ninety Pound, like you know,
1: so gay for a fourteen-year-old or a fifteen-year-old.
2: Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, um, th- there was. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was quite. A, <laughs> it's, it's quite good. And people say, yeah, I like people ask you, why don't you take on more work and everything else out there? But the trouble is, you know, if you have too big a, a spread, you've far too much work to do. And the worst thing is. <laughs> Getting back to my consciousness of lawns, when you have too many lawns, if you have wet summer, it's impossible to get them cut. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so you're better to have a small number, do those, do those really well, and every time your customer comes back to, you, he's happy or she's happy. You know, so that's that's the way I was looking at it. I was going like, what happens if you have fifteen or sixteen? You could cut two lawns a day, whatever it is. But you know, if you end up then not being able to do it because of Bad weather, if sickness, or whatever it is, then all of a sudden, then you have you have a problem. So it's better to be concentrate, focused on, on on the group that you have, and that's 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 my way of working with things. And you decided to focus and concentrate on
1: fishing, hence setting up fishing daily.
2: Yeah, well, my experience with Donegal now made me realise that you know news is. instant like you know um, we've gone from the area of of breaking news on on websites now to being expecting news do you mean like every time you click on RT, you click on whatever it is, BBC, you expect to have news and the term news is new (laughs) <laughs> you know, and that's that's what I learned when I was doing my journalism course. Was that's what the term is? It's new, you know, so it has to be fresh and uh, it has to be. Uh, we used to say hot off the press. Now it has to be hot off the keyboard, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, I couldn't. When I was working with uh, Mara Media, I wasn't. This was mainly the editor of the Skipper, but the idea of news coming out every month it didn't it didn't appeal to me you know because i kind of felt that we called that because everybody has mobile phones and you know boats now have got like satellite internet and everything as i get there fishermen are the same as the rest of us like you know work they're looking at news and they're looking for news instantaneously so i thought to myself yeah this is this is really what this is all culminated too like you know all this experience um, that I've built up over the years this is it you know and if I don't try it that's something I'll probably kick myself forever and there we'll take a break Business
0: Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business if you have an undergrad in any discipline and would like to reinforce it with a Masters in Business, ATU are offering their Masters in Business Management Conversion Programme. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. You're welcome back. Before the break, Oliver was
1: recalling
2: his decision to set up the Fishing Daily four years ago. I made a decision at that time. went out, did my research... Spoke to fishermen, stuff like that there, like you know, when they were saying yeah there is there's we could do with that. Was that a long process the research? Um I think I probably spent maybe about an out by three months. And once you sort of
1: got the okay
2: from the sector, what was your next step? Um, now thinking back <laughs> Because it all it all seems to mould into one, like you know, because uh, I was so concentrate on it at the, at the time. Um, well, the first thing then was was to see then if I could get backing, uh, financial backing to to start start it. And I went to the DLDC, and they were very helpful. Um, they were very helpful. They pointed me in the right direction of getting grants and and, and that. So then I had. That's um backing from them because they thought it was a good idea. So then I went out looking to see if I could get uh a web design company to to build it for me. And it was around that time then I met uh Michael McGinty, who's my business partner in uh Saltwater Media. And um again we hit it off, and I realized to myself at that time that Michael's knowledge would be invaluable for me going forward, like, you know, because he's got a minute web design uh, company, and, you know, it's funny. It, it wasn't something that was really a high priority for me at the time, but what after, after speaking with them, I realized we go, yes, this needs more than just being editorial content like you know because um, a website's kind of like a car you know you can have a car and it sits at the house but it's all the other, other elements that makes it valuable to you like being able to drive it having a driver's license, putting fuel into it all these things turn it into transport and then once it's turned into transport it's an asset to you do you know what I mean? and you don't sort of really think about those things because you know you see websites and you wonder why some websites do better than other websites and stuff like that there and then you know that and that's another p- part of learning you know that uh, come along from from uh, being involved with uh, the fishing daily like you know just in relation to the Fishing Daily,
1: uh, I had a look at the website there before we started recording. You've got stories, you've got features, you've got videos, you've got podcasts. It's sort of all there for the, the sector, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It's it's important to utilize, you know, your platform. Like, a website changes from a website to a platform when you start using it as, 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 as a tool, you know. Um, and that's what the Fishing Daily is. It's it's a wide range of different styles of communicating with people. And I still have more ideas to expand it, mm. you know, and th- they'll they'll be in development, like, you know. And the next step then with yourself and Michael? Well, we, a year af- after uh, we established the Fishing Daily, I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, I've learned a lot over the past year and there's an old saying, don't put all your eggs into one basket, <laughs> you know, and I suppose it's, it's the first time I started thinking in, in, in the business sense, you know, what happens if this is doing okay, but I could use my skills and create something that does better for me. Like, you know, so you want to spread out your, your options a little, like, you know, so, uh, uh, we came up with the idea of forming a, uh, an umbrella and that was which is saltwater media and English. And from that, the idea of saltwater marketing grew out of that. And then we were wondering where could we take this as a vehicle because there's other marketing services out there. And I said to Michael, look, I said, I'm very, very passionate about Irish. The Irish language, the Irish music, you know, I just, you know, it's I wouldn't classify myself as being a very, very staunch nationalist or anything out there, like, you know, but I do have a passion for it. You know, I see in other countries, you go to France, you go to, uh, you know, Spain, wherever it is, like, you know, and these people do like being where they're from you know and they do like speaking their language and they do like doing their business in their language and i said to michael could we do this in irish could we create margaret halia and um you know do this thing in irish can we build a website in irish from the ground up rather than having a website that's in english with an irish add-on we'll build the whole irish side of it in parallel with the English side of it, like, you know. And we started chatting about it, and he says, yeah, that's, we can do that. He says, that's, he says, that's different. I says, well, this is, this is something we're going to do. And then, as, you know, as the conversations goes on, stuff on this saying like, but we could do that with any website and do it in another language. You know, we can, you could build a website in Irish and have a French parallel to it you can build it in English you can have a chinese parallel to it. You, know, you can do that and so we set about then looking about how could we design and build websites like that so uh, back at the end of april there we finished building our own new website like you know so if you're on the internet you can look up margitalia.ae or you can look up saltwater marketing and it brings you in to the website, and the website is available all in Irish or all in English. And what we're looking at now doing is we're going to build another parallel to that, and it's going to be in another language, maybe French or something to get there. Just to prove the point that we call that you can build, build the website that way. But the advantage we think that will be to it is for Irish companies wanting to do business in Irish with each other, the digital marketing services is there.
1: So you just launched it last month, Oliver, is that correct? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, well, it's it's there. We're, we're going to have a proper launch of it, uh, hopefully in, in, the, in the next few weeks. It's like everything, <laughs> you know, you, you find little snaggings, you have little things to go in there and, you know, you go, oh, oh, this has to work and that has to work. Everything's working. And wh- uh, what has the reaction been like so far, well, we brought it to um, Udris, and um, they were very happy to see it. You know, they're very happy to see that a, a, a company based in in the Geltat is did, looking. Is sorry, Oliver, did it surprise you that nobody
1: else had come up with the concept up until yourself and Michael devised the idea?
2: Yeah, it, it was a little bit surprising. Like you know, you do see. You do see websites there, but if you look at it closely, it's an add-on. You know, uh, it's something that people add on, like a page or a cover page, whatever it is, that they add on to it. Our thinking was that when you put in the, when you search for it in Irish, you can get it in Irish. If you search for it, if you want it in French, if you're in France, you'll get it in, in, in French, whatever it is. I think the thinking for me, came from the fact that we called that um, there's a very good friend of mine, John McNutt uh, from down, at home down in Downings and John was uh, a tweet designer and he worked with his brother Scott and he was talking to me one time, he's saying like, he used to go to Japan and all these countries and he's saying like, if you're doing business with these guys, like you know, these people um, he says, they're very, very respectful, you know. And if you respect uh, them and their culture, you're automatically more, uh, you're you're getting accepted by them, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and you know yourself, if you go to France, it's very difficult speaking English to them. And like, my experience is we called call it, French people like you to make the effort to speak French. And, you know, if, if you're, you're a company here in Ireland and you've got a product product to sell them to China or to France or whatever does, you know, Google Translate doesn't do it, especially if you're doing a specialised uh, product or whatever it is. And I noticed that when I was in the, uh, the Fishing Daily and I'd look up something like uh, an Iceland, you know, fishing news in Iceland and you get the translation for it and all the words would be all over the place. And it just took me time to realize that we call that this is what the words mean so now I understand in the same way with Norwegian and the same way with with Dutch or French whatever it is like you know so if you've got a website that is in the language of the market that you're trying to sell to you're already I think ahead with people because they're they're looking at you as being customer orientated you know, rather than us having to go back and forth and back and forth to you, you're going to be easy to deal with because, you know, you're you're making the effort.
1: And what uh, sort of
2: client are you looking for? Well, currently we're looking for businesses in, in Ireland that's interested in promoting the Irish language language and working in, in the Irish language, uh, business to business. You know, whether your market's... Uh, abroad or your markets, markets at home, uh, we think we'd like to be able to offer digital marketing services to um, companies that have that interest. And tell me, Oliver, can you talk to me about the digital services that you provide? Well, yeah, we provide a good range of services. Like we provide website management, you know, for um, companies. We also provide uh, search engine optimization. Uh, we provide web support. Uh, we also do content creation, uh, blog management, press releases, uh, social media, podcasting, and we also do uh, p- pay-per-click. Uh, that's PPC to some people, like where you see Google Ads or whoever it is Like you know, we 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 can also do that for clients.
1: And there's been a huge shift uh, onto
2: the digital platforms over the last few years. Yeah. We've seen a lot of changes in, in the past couple of years, but I think COVID accelerated uh, a lot of the, uh, the change. Like, you know, once upon a time, if you were going to do an interview or a meeting with somebody, you would travel to, to meet them. Now we're so used to doing now uh, Teams calls or Zoom calls. in actual fact now, if you're, if you're chatting to somebody, nobody ever mentions an online meeting anymore because it's just the normal way of, of doing business. You know if somebody will tell you if they're coming to meet you in your in your office or you're going to meet them but if you're saying oh, we'll have a meeting on tuesday at two thirty, so automatically you know we expect to get the team's link or whatever it is a uh, half an hour later or whatever it is so you know the whole dynamics of how we do business and how we communicate has has changed but as i said uh COVID really accelerated those changes and uh, in the past two, three years. Almost four years into your
1: self-employment world, Oliver, what's the best lesson you've learned in that time?
2: I (laughs) suppose I've learned a few lessons. Um, For me, I think it's it's trust your instincts about stuff. Like, you know, um, self-belief is is, is, as if it's a very important thing to have like there's such a thing as having an ego and there's such a thing as having self-belief but You don't have to have the ego. You just have to have the self-belief that um, What you're doing is is right what you But you shouldn't do things blindly, you know, you should really do your research and look at all your options and um, You know there's um most every every business is different do you know what I mean like you, uh, you you learn different things in, when you're in different businesses and stuff like that there but I do think what you called if you've been around <laughs> for a while like me uh, I think it comes down to what you called yeah it's just just uh, trust your instincts Is there a person in business that you admire most? I don't really know it, you know it, 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 it was um Through circumstance that he came here, um, I don't think I was really ever aiming to be a a business person, you know, Um, but I suppose there's there's history there in the family, like, you know, my mother's people, uh, my mother's brothers, they all went over to Glasgow when they were, like, 16, uh, back in the in the fifties and fifties uh, and sixties, and they set up their own business. Like, you know, they, well, they had two businesses eventually. One was a plant hire, <clears throat> and the other was uh, a parts company for a plant hire, like, you know, and, you know, you sort of, you look at them and you go, well, like, you know, that's, that's always been a little bit of an inspiration that, you know, that it's there. My grandfather was a tailor. Um, so, you know, there's always been, People around who work for themselves, you know, and I think very much so after the boatyard closed in Downings in 1980, people had to become more reliant on 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 going out and getting work rather than than, than having a, a job to go to. So, you're, when you're brought up in that sort of environment, people people are more willing to go and uh, set up their own business and downings Roscoe is 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 very surprising because um, I've got like people I went to school with and and their brothers and that there and they've got businesses in London and you know Glasgow and you you name it big businesses and successful businesses and a lot of these people their their fathers worked in the boatyard and you know they they just knew the way you call it that this is this is what you have to do nothing's going to get handed to you. If you want something, you're going to have to go out and work for it.
1: Do you have a mentor that you turn to if you have a hard decision to make?
2: Um, Yeah, I usually uh, ask Michael, Michael McGinty. (laughs) Uh, He'll say uh, maybe I'll ask him for advice and then ignore it, but yeah, I do take it on board. (laughs) And uh, tell me, if you had to give your
1: 21-year-old self uh, a few words of advice today, Oliver,
2: what would they be? Um I suppose it's be prepared for change. You know. Um when I was when I was twenty one, like like yourself, we lived in a very, very different world. You know. Um there was no internet, there was no mobile phones. You know, um career choices was not influenced by what was on social media or anything like that. Career choices influenced by what you seen close to you, like, you know, or, our experience. um, but looking back, we've had major changes, you know, but then if you look at, look at my father, my father's, um, what, 85 now, like, you know, and he was born in 1937, he lived through the war, uh, second world war, you know, he lived through the sixties and he's seen a lot of changes as well, like, you know, so I would say to any 21 year old, like, you know, I would say, just be prepared. Things will always keep changing and you've always got to be prepared for those changes because you you can't fight it. You know, you have to go along with it, you know, but be alert to what's happening and always keep in touch with what's happening because if you don't, you can get left behind very, very quickly. And uh, that's, to me, you know, uh, I just think that... Uh, I was always brought up with that, you know. Like my father was in his sixties, and my uncle, sorry, my uncle Anthony as well, and they went and done a computer course to learn how to use a computer, you know, and see like tech stuff like phones, tablets, anything like they got there. They're, they're now in their eighties and they just use it as as well as any of us, you know. And then there's other people who's who's struggling with with it because. They're going like, no, no, it's it's not for me. No, if you if you move with it and you learn it, it's it's, it's always going to be something that you can carry.
1: And Oliver, finally, what does the future hold for yourself and your businesses?
2: Um, I suppose it's uh, I have I have a vision of what I want. Uh, whether, it, whether it's achievable, it's that's another thing. There's, there's always obstacles. Uh, I thought when I started the fishing daily, by now I'd have two or three people employed. But as you've seen, uh, COVID came along and, and uh, sort of interrupted things. But it also made the business a bit more self-sufficient, where I was more in the office doing a lot more of the work, you know, so I would like to see, as I said before, I'd, I'd like to see the saltwater marketing thing working. I would like to have three or four people employed in that, in, in the Giltat. And I would also like to have maybe one or two other people working in the fishing daily. It's it's a big ambition, <laughs> considering uh, there's only me at the moment. But I think you have to have that that ambition at the same time in order to get up in the morning and, and push on and, and, and you know, if you, if you don't, you can procrastinate and you can find things passing you by very quickly and all of a sudden then the dreams that you had gets uh, swallowed up and, and disappear. So it's, it's something I wake up every morning and I think of and this is what I'm doing it for and I, I want to do it because not to be a boss, or anything out that there I just want what you call it I want to see better things f- for for the community and better things coming down the line like you know Oliver McBride editor of the
1: Fishing Daily and director at Saltwater Marketing thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters well thank you very much for having me Kieran. well that's it for this edition of Business Matters thanks to my guest Oliver McBride thanks to Kevin Fury on Sound and thanks to you for listening If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters
0: at heilandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a graduate of a non-business discipline and would like to pursue a Level 9 in business? ATU Donegal are currently offering their Master's in Business Management Conversion Programme. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today.